0: Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. Yeah, I'm just going to have to, uh, I've just got so many things in my heart this morning, and I, and I just, have, and I've just, I mean, I always pray this, but I really meant it today, uh, just really asking the Lord to, that I'd hear him clearly today. Um, we've been in this series about choosing the ways of the Lord for some time, and here for the last several weeks, we've been talking about faith, we've been talking about walking by faith, and a lot of background on that, you can pick it up from the podcast or or YouTube, We've been over in uh, Romans chapter four the last couple of weeks, looking at Abraham's life, and I want you to go there again today. Romans chapter four. If you have an amplified Bible, I'll probably mostly be reading from that. If you don't, you can just listen, or you know, if you're on your if you're on a device and you're on an online um, Bible, I would encourage you to pull that up. But so, uh, and I, we got into some of this last week, but I felt like there were some things that needed to be clarified or or um said again but i we're going to begin again let's just read these verses we're going to start here and then we're going to circle around and and come back here a little later in the service but i want to begin with verse 19 and again i am going to read it from the amplified bible we've again we're talking about what does it mean to walk by faith what does that look like how does that work in our everyday lives And let me just back up. I'll probably do this a lot, this service. So the way that what this church was called to do, okay, when the Lord called us to establish this church, okay, we are primarily, our two prime focuses are on connecting with God's presence in times of worship and um, the word of God and receiving and knowing his word. And he gave us a number of various verses as there was about a two-year period between when he called us here and when we actually came and launched the church. And during that time, one of the verses that he gave to us is out of Isaiah 52. And it's where the Lord says, My people will know what my name is and what it means. Okay, my people will know what my name is. And we've been talking some about names. We're going to talk some more about that today. When the Lord says, I want my people to know what my name is, that doesn't just mean he wants us to know his name is Yahweh or his name is Jesus. In the Bible, names represent the nature of a thing, the character of a thing, character of a person many times. We see places where God changed somebody's name because their life was changing. And so as Westerners, we don't always relate to that. But when the Lord said that, I want my people to know what my name is. They will know what my name is. What he's saying there is he wants us to know his nature. He wants us to know how he moves, how he thinks, why he does the things that he does. He wants us to be able to go through life and say, you know, have some event happen and say, yeah, God was in that, or no, God wasn't in that. It happened, but God wasn't in it. Because there are a lot of things that happen that God's not in, right? Right? And so he wants us to be able to make that discernment because we know his character. We know his nature. Well, it's just not something that God would do. And we find that out through his word and we find that out through Jesus, who is the exact representation of the father. And, And so it's something we're all growing in. So he said, I want my people to know my name and what it means. And to me, that means, okay, I see who you are. I see who you've called me to be and created me to be and what salvation is about. How does that apply in my everyday life? What is the practical what is how can I take the Word of God the principles that you give, and God gives principles out of his nature his his principles are an outflow from his nature they they and his principles actually apply to life. Boyd just gave us an example I hadn't thought of that You know, it has been one of the most consistent evidences of God and his purpose and plan and um, activity, faithfulness to this church has been that as as we've done just what he wanted us to do. And that giving thing was a good example of that. There are lots of churches that do pledge drives and everything, and if that's what they're supposed to do, that's fine it isn't who we are or what we're supposed to do. We believe that we as believers come and we bring our tithe and we bring offerings and we do. And and if we're doing all of that, then God provides and he always does. And he's always provided over and above. It's just been, it's been nothing short of miraculous. And And so, I mean, that's just one of those things where, okay, Lord, we see who you are. We see what your word says. How does it apply? And as we apply it, Life works better. We we walk in the blessing of God. We see so much more of that. We stay free from a lot of things that we could be tangled up in simply by walking in the word. So but part of the, the DNA of this church is we teach the word. And the scripture talks about the word of God coming to us line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Okay, it's in Isaiah. And and so that's that's what we do. So so what I want to do, and what I believe God has us to do, is we go to the Scripture. We look at the principles first. We we teach principles from the Scripture, but then we also want to teach how do we apply this in our lives. We I see the Word of God, and honestly, I think this is one of the things that drew me uh, to church at Believer Center in Albuquerque, and was that the word of God came with practical application. It came with an understanding or, or I learned to, to go to the Lord. I'd see the principle. I'd accept it as something that is in his word, even if it's totally different than the way I used to think. And I was able through my relationship with the Lord and through what was taught at church to go and say, okay, man, how do I apply that? at work how do I apply that in this relationship I see what you're saying and I and I know that there's life and blessing within that promise but how do I put it to work in my life and that's the way I believe the word of God is very very practical it is there for us to apply okay and so with us looking at this thing I mean the scripture over there in second Corinthians uh Five seven, it, you know, we looked at it before. It says, tells us that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. And the Amplified Bible says, um, regulate your lives and conduct yourselves by faith and not by sight. Okay, well, that's a great idea. How do I do that? What does that mean? What does that look like in my life, in this world, in this time, to regulate my life? and conduct myself by my trust in god and my trust in his word his principles rather than just what i can see and that includes that what we can see includes the physical the things that we can see taste hear smell feel anything in the natural and it also includes just my own understanding my own intellect the way i grew up the my ways you know the the ways that i gained from good and bad from my from my family from my surroundings from my environment from the culture in which i live uh, all of that wrapped up some of that is good and some of it is not and this whole series is about lord i want your ways to become my ways. I want to do things the way that you would do them. I want to apply your word the way you would do that. That's my heart's cry. I desire that. And I know that in that, that life works better and I can be a blessing to people. Does this make sense to you? So, So we look at these things and that's what we're talking about is what does that look like to walk by my trust in God while I'm still here on this earth being challenged by things, confronted by things, just walking through stuff, just watching what's going on around us, all these different influences in my life. But what does it look like for me to walk, regulate my life and conduct myself? For me, that means I got to slow down, number one. It means I I can't just react to things. Even if I think I'm reacting with a godly reaction, sometimes I am. Sometimes I am for any number of reasons that wouldn't be his motive for doing it. Okay, does that make sense to you? So, uh, So rather than just react... I've got to get these things on the inside. I've got to see these principles, and I've got to take some time with them because this stuff only works and becomes practical and works when we do it. It it only the the principles he gives us are life principles, but they only work if we actually apply them. And that's what that's what Jesus said. That's what the whole thing about digging down and actually building a life upon the foundation of the Word of God. That's the idea of okay, I, I'm actually building something upon this foundation. And I am building with what he gives me. So this is, it's its something practical. And so getting up to this, we're looking at Abraham here because the Bible says he is the father of all who come to God by faith, all who approach God by faith. That means he's the patriarch of this family of people that approach God by faith and not by works. He is he's the patriarch. He's the leader. He is, he is a role model for us. And, so, and we see him make lots of mistakes. This isn't a walk of perfection. This is a walk that we can actually do, okay? Which if it was a walk of perfection, not one of us could do it. This is a walk hand in hand with God. This is a walk led by the Holy Spirit. This is a walk, and that's what God has made it, a walk, walk by faith and not by sight. It's a daily thing. It is a daily relational thing with the Lord. But we come to this place in Abraham's life and these these verses in Romans 4 are talking about how he walked in faith. And we remember that it was 25 years between promise and fulfillment in Abraham's life. 25 years of holding on to a promise from God with no natural evidence of it happening. We've all been there, maybe not for 25 years, maybe for longer than 25 years, but we have been there. This is this is the process that we live in, is we are here, of, I think, a huge part of who we are, we, the church of Jesus Christ, We are here to take hold of the promises of God and by faith draw upon his grace. They're free gifts. The promises are all given freely by grace. But the Bible tells us that we access that grace by faith. So we are here to actually believe him for what he has promised and draw that thing into this natural realm so that not only are, it isn't just about we are blessed in that, but it's more about him being manifested and glorified and other people being blessed by all of this. This is who the church is. We are in this church age where we are here to represent Christ. And this is, this is how we do it. And in Abraham's life, it, it was 25 years. And then after Isaac is born and, and lives for a, a few years, a number of years, then God says, take that child the child that you believed for for twenty five years, and I want you to take him up on the mountain. I want you to sacrifice him to me. I want you to give that up, and I believe that in uh the earlier verses in this chapter that we read, where it talks about you know Abraham believed God and and believed that he was a God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that are not as though they were. Essentially, when he was taking Isaac up there and he made statements along the way, there were people with him going up and, and they said, well, Isaac asked him, where's the sacrifice? And he said, God himself will provide the, the sacrifice. And when the, the whole group went to a certain point, then just Abraham and Isaac went from there and he turned to everybody else and says, the boy and I are going to go up here and worship and we will return to you. So, I mean, he had this in his heart that I'm serving the God. If if he calls me to sacrifice this boy, I will do it. And he will raise him from the dead. It was that kind of faith that he had working in his heart. And again, so all of this through his life, he becomes this model for us of faith. And these verses right here, did you find 419 yet? Okay. Uh, from the Amplified, again, it says, he, Abraham, did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. Verse 20, no unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly question concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave Glory to God. So here he is. This this right here is the place where if we're going to falter, I've seen a lot of people falter right here. Betwe- that, that place of believing God when, the, the, when there's delayed answer to prayer. Or delayed manifestation of what we're believing God for. Or maybe what we're believing God for does not come to pass. And we know that it was God's will. Maybe for somebody to be healed and they don't get healed. Okay, We've been there. We've stood through that. We've prayed for people. And a lot of them have gotten healed. We've since seen some tremendous miracles of healing in people's lives. But if they don't get healed then what? Or if there's a big delay in that, or you're believing God over your business and your business ends up not making it or any number of things, and we're standing there, this is the place where if we don't apply the scriptures, then my experience has been we will either make up, I don't know how else to say it, some of the worst theology about God's nature that we've ever heard comes out of this place and us compromising, saying, well, I I guess it was just God's will, okay, for this person to be sick and die. Well, I don't believe it was ever God's will for anybody to be sick and die. I don't believe he didn't establish the earth. There was no sickness here till sin entered in, okay? It was just God's will. You never know what God's going to do uh, he just needed another angel in heaven. People do not become angels when they die. Uh, all There are all kinds of things we come up with. We compromise what we know about God. Instead of standing and saying, you know what? I don't know. I do not know why we win some and lose some. I know there's a devil loose in the earth. I know who God is and I will not compromise on who God has revealed himself to be just because I don't understand something that happens in the earth. And that's what was going on here. It says he did not weaken in faith when he considered. I know some of your translations say he considered not. If you tear it apart in the in the original language, it means he looked at it and he didn't, he didn't waver. He didn't he didn't allow, doesn't say he didn't have doubts come to him, doesn't say he didn't have those things come, he didn't have challenges. We know he did. We watch him go through them, we watch him make mistakes. But in the long run, he didn't allow that stuff to make him waver, and he did not weaken in faith. But it wasn't just because he was a super guy. It wasn't just because, oh, it's Abraham, and he just, man, he just doesn't weaken in faith. No. It's because, again, that word considered, we looked at it last week. It means he contemplated the natural circumstance. He looked at it. He looked closely at it. He examined it, but he didn't weaken in his faith. And verse 20 tells us why. It says he actually grew strong in that place of delayed, delayed promise, of everything looking like it's not working. It says he actually grew, grew strong and he did it as he gave praise and glory to God. That's an important part of that verse is that when we're standing in that place, rather than start making up different theology or other people just walk away from God. I I know people who have gotten angry with God because something didn't work out the way they wanted it to work out and they have just, They just don't believe anymore. They have walked away from the living God based on something that happened on this earth. And that's a tragedy. And instead, Abraham, it says he gave glory to God. And in the giving glory to God, his faith was strengthened and stayed strong. And doubt wasn't able to get on top of him. We watch him have doubts. We all have thoughts of doubt come. And if we pretend we don't, we're lying. Is that clear enough? If we pretend we don't, we're lying. They come, but they don't have to become ours. And the way we keep them from becoming ours is we keep glorifying God. We keep coming back and speaking his promise again, talking about who he is again, just glorifying him, praising him, and and when we do that, it establishes our hearts. It keeps us in the right place. So we looked at, here in Hebrews 11, I got to move through this quick. Hebrews 11, 1, uh, we looked at this verse that says, Now faith is the assurance, it is the confirmation, the title deed. Hang on to that one today. The title deed of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, the conviction of their reality. I love this. The Amplified says, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So one of the things faith does in our hearts is it perceives as real fact something that isn't manifested yet. We have to let faith do that. We have to stay in the word, let the word build faith in us, stay with God, Let him build faith in us. And we have to allow, we have to take time. We're going to look at, we are going to look at what the situation is in the world. We see it. But the way that we're going to keep it in its place is by allowing faith to reach out there and reassure us and reassure us that God's promise is bigger than whatever this thing we're facing on the earth is. And this is one of the ways you know When you have moved from mental assent to faith. Mental assent means I intellectually agree with what I see in the word. I I agree. I see what it says. And I intellectually, in my mind, I agree with it. That's not faith. That's a good place to start. That's way better than disagreeing with it. Okay. It's a great place to start. That's not faith. Mental ascent happens in the soul. Mental ascent happens in our mind. It's something we've grabbed hold of and we've chosen to agree with. And that's, a, like I said, that's a good place to start. We can't stop there. We've got to keep feeding on the word and the person of Jesus Christ until something happens in our spirit, which the Bible calls faith. There's a confidence that can come into our hearts that supersedes doubts that might arise in our mind. It just supersedes them. There's a confidence in the heart that I know, I, I now have the title deed to whatever that promise is. I, it, it's, it's got my name on it, okay? I, my name is on this title and, and I have the title deed to whatever that promise may be. That's what faith does on the inside of it. And it does, it'll, <laughs> it allows us to walk along and people think we're nuts, and but we just know. That I don't know how it's going to work, but I know God, and I know He is going to come through in this situation because He said it, and that's not just something we choose to say or we say on Sunday or whatever. It's alive in our hearts. Okay, we can be there. I just none of us are perfect in this, and I, I, I we got God knows that. Okay, but we can be there. We can set this as, Lord, I need that kind of faith burst in my heart. Just speak to me. Because we saw faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Okay, so one of the ways we know when we move from mental ascent to faith is because faith just starts perceiving this thing. I just know it. I know that I know that I know. I know. I know. I don't know how, but I know. Okay? And we can walk in that. And so then we start to regulate our lives and conduct ourselves based on that not so much on what is seen, okay? All right, you with me so far? We're just going back. I know we talked about this last week, but we're just back line upon line, precept upon precept. We're letting these scriptures build one on another, okay? So then we looked at this verse last week, and I want to show you some more about this verse this morning before we're finished. Uh, This is 2 Corinthians 4.18, and actually what I want to do Well, let's just read this verse first. Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen. Now over there in Romans 4, it says, Abraham looked at the stuff that was seen. Okay, so that's one part of it. But here it says, since we consider and look not to those things that are seen. It means I'm not going to give too much weight to those things. But to the things that are unseen, for the things that are visible are temporal, brief and fleeting. But the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. So, what we need to do is discipline our flesh and our thought life to look at even though we're going to see that what's going on we're not going to deny the fact we're not going to pretend the problem isn't there we're not going to do any of that but we are going to lift our eyes up and consider those unseen things it means to contemplate to think about to weigh and what we're going to do right at this place is we're going to be sure in our hearts that we are continually, when we're faced with the fact, you go back to work the next day, the same thing is there. You go back into a relationship, same thing is there. You go back to the doctor, hasn't changed yet. Whatever it might be, at that point, we're going to come back and we're going to contemplate God and who he is and what he has said. And what we're going to do right there is we are going to give more value and authority to what God has said than what the natural fact looks like, okay? This is the walk of faith, but you have to do it. And and you're not always, your brain can do all kinds of stupid things in the middle of this, but my brain is not in charge. My spirit is in charge. This is a battle. This is a fight that you have to fight. I wish I could fight it for every one of us, but I can't. All I can do is bring the word to you and teach you about how to do it. But you got to do it. Sure, grab a couple of good friends that'll believe with you and, and stand with them and pray with them and be encouraged by them and all of that. That's all good. But ultimately, you're going to make the choice how much weight you're going to give to the word, how much weight you're going to put on. And and it gets hard. I mean, it gets sometimes, you know, a physical thing. It's way hard. It's way easier to believe God for healing for somebody else because you don't have the pain in your body, okay? So some of this stuff, you know, what's going on in the in the natural realm, it's very real. And that's why it said with Abraham, he considered it, he looked at it, he estimated it, okay? But we're gonna look at that word and we're gonna choose. And you gotta do this on a daily basis. And a lot of times you gotta do it multiple times a day when you're facing stuff you got to go back to that word. you got to go back to that promise. You've got to glorify God about that promise. Lord, I thank you for this particular promise. And we quote it to ourselves, and we walk, and we beat the devil up with it. And, you know, whatever we need to do, take that word. It is a sword that the Lord puts in your mouth, and just cut the devil to ribbons with it. We have to actually do this. We can't just talk about it on Sunday. I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm just... I've seen so many people fall right here and I don't want that to be you, okay? So, um, we're in a culture that really overemphasizes, I would say worships, intellectualism. Being being smart, being brilliant, what we can think about, the university system, you know, how many letters do you have behind your name? All of that. None of those things are bad until you start to worship them. But... Uh, But because of that, we can forget that really the mind is not supposed to be carrying the weight of our lives. The emotions are not supposed to be carrying the weight of our lives. They're there for a good reason. But the mind needs to be renewed. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the mind of the flesh is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Sense and reason are good things. It's better to have sense than have no sense, okay? It's better to be able to think logically and reason on things and to have no reason working in your life. But without the Holy Spirit, it says that that whole thing actually stands in enmity, is an enemy of God. It doesn't work. It needs to be renewed. It needs to be changed. We need to think the way that God thinks. So, um, so the Bible doesn't teach us to deny that natural reality, to pretend it doesn't exist, to live in denial. It doesn't teach any of that. But it does teach us to view that natural reality through the lens of the heavenly reality. For that to be more real to us, and only the Holy Spirit can do that in us, than the natural thing we're facing. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's back up a couple verses. And look at this. We looked at verse 18. Let's go back to verse 16. And Paul here is talking about he and his team and and that group. And he says, therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and worried through fear. How many of you have ever been there? Utterly, I have, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and worried through fear. He says, we don't get that way. Well, that's cool. I'd like to have that. You know, that that sounds good. He says, we do not become discouraged. There are more discouraged. I mean, statistically, we have more discouraged and depressed people in our world, in our country today than we have ever had before. And, and there's a whole industry built about trying to address that with drugs. And sometimes, I realize, sometimes that gets people from one place to another. Trying to address that with therapy, sometimes it gets people from one place to another. But ultimately, the problem at the bottom of that is we're trying to carry weights with the soul that the soul was never designed to carry. The spirit man, in connection with the Holy Spirit, is supposed to be regulating our lives and we're supposed to conduct ourselves from there and then the mind ad- addresses intellectual things and the emotions carry us you know along they have their role in our lives but those things we're never meant to carry the weight of this life emotionally you can't you can't do it so so paul says we don't become discouraged exhausted wearied out through fear Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away. That can mean the physical man that can also speak of the soul. Yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. So he's getting stronger on the inside as his physical abilities are getting older. Okay. And I, and I can attest that does happen no matter what. Okay. Uh so that's cool. I'd like to have that. That that That's where I want to live, right? So he goes on to verse 17. For our light and momentary affliction, our light, think about this. Paul's describing the challenges of his life this way. Our light and momentary affliction, this slight distress of the passing hour. Go read about Paul's slight and momentary afflictions. He was, he was, uh, Beaten with rods several times. That means they take rods, they beat your feet and break all the bones in them. And Paul had to travel. Okay, uh, he was he was uh, whipped. He was stoned, which was a, a form of uh, capital punishment. He was left for dead, and a lot of Bible scholars believe he was dead. And that group gathered around him and raised him from the dead. But whichever, he was put in a pit and and crushed with rocks. He was imprisoned. He spent years in a prison in sewage, standing in sewage under the Roman uh, guard place. I mean, it it just goes on and on. He had the pressure. He talks about the pressure of his care and concern for all the churches and all the people that he had started. I mean, it goes on and on. But his view is, these are light and momentary pressures, slight distress. Of the passing hour what's he saying these are temporary brief and fleeting and he says so it's like okay I would like to see my problems in that light okay I want I want that too I want everything I'm seeing in these verses so far he's saying all of that is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving sorry it's the amplified for us an everlasting weight of glory. I'll only read this part to you once. Beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and calculations of vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. Okay, he's saying all this stuff I'm viewing as a slight distress of the passing hour, but all this stuff shipwrecked. Spent a night and a day in the sea. Ugh. I wouldn't like that. Uh, all this stuff. And he says that is producing this everlasting weight of glory. Now, if you pull verse 17 out, which many people do, and they add a few other verses like it that they pull out of the context, it looks like we could make the doctrine, which isn't true, that, oh, it's just just affliction, just tribulation, just the problems of life. That's making me... Strong. That's what's earning me my place in heaven. That's what's creating this this glory that I'm going to go to. Okay, And we know there's a whole doctrine about that. We've taught on it many times. We know, uh, we've looked at the language, we've looked at everything. We know that just going through afflictions and tribulations in life does not make us stronger. It's what we choose to do in the middle of that that makes us stronger. So look at verse 18 again, are you still with me? Okay, so he says, he gives us those two verses, 16 and 17. Okay, he gives us his view on those things. He says, you know, my inner man is being built up, even though the outer man is wasting away. He, he calls him light and momentary affliction. He says, producing all this glory since, verse 18, since. That word means since, because, or when. Since, because, or when. So this verse, the other two verses are contingent on verse 18. 16 and 17 are contingent on verse 18. They don't just exist floating around in space somewhere. He says, since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are visible are temporal belief belief and free... free. (laughs) brief and fleeting but the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting that verse sense is incredibly important it's just like there in romans chapter 4 where uh it talks about all this stuff about abraham that comes down and and it says he didn't weaken in his faith because he gave glory to god in the midst of it this is saying paul's saying we don't get discouraged by all this terrible stuff Why? Because we keep looking at those unseen things. We keep estimating them. We keep weighing them and giving them more weight and more authority in our life than the things that we see. If we do that, we can go through hard times in life and not be discouraged and not weaken in faith and not allow doubt and unbelief to get on top of us. Does this make sense to you? Okay. So this is what Paul's telling us all right now we're going to go back this i'm just going to clarify because i don't have much time left here we looked we've looked at this these verses romans chapter 4 verses 19 and 20 last week i said to you that one of the things that takes place when we start looking at our natural circumstance the natural fact whatever it is one of the things that happens is that we begin to, I said, give it a name. And I stand by that. And I told you a story about uh, some friends of ours. She was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. And one of the things the Lord led them to do was never to use the word cancer. And they didn't. They did two things. They only shared what was going on with a very select group of people that they knew would stand and believe with them and pray for them. They didn't share it with everybody they knew who would just get frightened by it, think, oh, well, she's going to die, and, and start speaking all of that. They just didn't tell those people. They just didn't tell them. And I think that was very wise. And they just told us this. They, they just said, the Lord told us, don't call it cancer. And instead, they called it, uh, they said she has some rogue cells that need to come back into line. And that's how they went through that. In telling you that story, I was not saying don't ever use the word cancer. Don't ever use the word flu. Don't ever use the word COVID. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, look what they did. They went to the Lord. They focused on what his word says. And he gave them instruction on how to walk through that. For them, it was important what they called that thing. And the reason, so when we start to name something, we give it a context it's not just the word that we call it okay that's not what all I'm talking about we start to put a context on things when we start to name them okay so you know different things well cancer is a good is a good example we hear the word cancer that comes with a context okay and it and it impacts us differently than the word cold okay for good reason but when we start to name things, we're starting to give them a context. And that context can either be one of fear or um, hopelessness, discouragement, or we can put it in a different context in our own hearts, however we phrase it, that exalts what God has said and diminishes what the natural fact is. And that's a really important part of standing in faith. We've got to keep there can't be tremendous authority in the fact. Then we can go to the doctor with faith in God, or we can not go to the doctor with faith in God, whatever the Lord tells us to do. We can continue to work on a relationship with faith in God. We can continue to uh, do whatever it might be. We can take the practical steps that need to be taken, but we're doing it. Our ultimate faith is in God not in the natural steps that we are taking. Those two are not, some people feel like if I'm in faith, I can't ever take medicine. I disagree. I think you can take medicine in faith toward God. Or you cannot take medicine with no actual faith toward God, just mental assent. Okay, does this make sense to you? So when we start to name things, that's what we do. We start to put this context on it. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18.21 that life and death is in the power of the tongue and those who indulge in it, meaning really let the tongue run, okay, will eat the fruit of it, either for life or death. We know that what we say makes a difference. What we we say from the heart, Jesus talked about that. The good man out of the good treasure in his heart flings forth good things. He didn't say he just says nice things. He says he's actually flinging forth good things into the earth. And the evil man out of the evil treasure in his heart flings forth evil things. It's important what we decide to say and who we decide to say it to in these situations. So, the other example I wanted to give you is that when we start when we meet somebody, names begin to connect us okay with things they They are the starting place of relationships where we start to mix our lives with somebody. we meet somebody new. The first thing we do is we exchange names, we shake hands, we exchange names, then maybe we get in farther than that, but there's something about names. God revealed himself to Israel through a series. Of revelation names that that spoke of his nature and who it was he gave them his name okay so the so the first thing we do is when we're standing in that place and we are desiring to take hold of what the Bible says, take hold of that word of God and let it be alive in our heart, and then address the natural fact, however, we need to do that from that perspective when we're standing in that place, it is important how we contextualize what's going on, okay? And that's something you're just going to have to pray through in each situation and think about, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you not want me to say, okay? The second thing that we do, and I'll be done with this, is that when we give something a name, when, we, when we're when we in that situation, we need to be careful what are we identifying with with. okay, Identity is huge. You live out of the identity that you hold about yourself. When Jesus went to that cross, he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. He didn't just represent sin. He took it on as an identity. He became sin. Why? So that we could be free from it. And we could identify as the righteousness of God in Christ, okay? If what we see uh, people do is something will come into their life and rather than recognize it, this is something that came into my life, you know, uh, I I have pain in my body. Instead, they say, this is my arthritis. This is my arthritis. asthma. This is my athlete's foot. Those are all three A's. We can go all the way through. the. But do you know what I'm talking about? We, we'll start to say, this is my this or that. All my family had this. This is my addiction. Okay. You guys still with me? I know we're going over time. I don't care. Um, the scripture we just read in Hebrews 11.1 1 said, Faith is the title deed to things we hope for. The title deed has the thing, it describes the thing, and it has your name on it. It has your name on it. That means you're you're taking possession of something. It belongs to you. If you are not hoping for arthritis, asthma, and athlete's foot, don't take title deed to it. Don't attach your name to it. We need, here's the bottom line. We need to purposefully identify with, attach our name to anything Jesus died on the cross for, for us. He He died to free us from sin. He died to free us from sickness and disease. He died to free us from poverty. I can give you the scriptures on those. It's cut and dried substitutionary work of Christ at the cross Anything he died to take away, we should not be taking possession of and calling it ours. Anything he died to give us, we should be taking possession of by faith and calling it ours. We should have the title deed. We should develop the title deed. Is this making sense to you? Okay. 7,000 plus promises in the Bible, and we are told that all of them belong to us. They are yes and amen. So be it. It's yours in Christ Jesus. So if you can find it in a promise, it's yours. Attach your name to it. Start. And what do I mean by that? I mean, start reading your name in those scriptures. If you're fighting a health issue, start putting your name in the healing scriptures. If you're fighting a financial problem, start putting your name in the financial issues, the relational issues, the business issues. The There's 7,000 plus promises in that Bible that belong to you and there's a thief that wants to take them away and one of the ways he does it is to get us standing in that place instead of saying i am this i this is mine i have the title deed to the to the promise instead we start saying oh this is my thing this is my all my family has been like this i don't care it can stop with you everybody in my family has has died of this or that i don't care it can stop with you. Uh, it's a, oh, it's a natural fact. It's just the way it is. Not if you stand on the promises of God. At the very least, you're going to live out your life and you're going to have that moment with Jesus where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to finish right now. I'm going to finish. One more. One more idea. Jesus said, We can leave today. Don't be looking at your watch. (laughs) I can see the clock. Jesus said, I think it's in Luke 18, He told a parable. And then Jesus said, when the son of man returns, will he find, some translations say faith. It really means consistency in faith or faithfulness in the earth. When the son of man returns, am I going to find people standing in faith? Isn't that amazing? I mean, what for him to ask that, I mean, he doesn't just ask things off the cuff. That's what he's looking for in us. And it's not a challenge to us to gut out faith. We've already learned all that. Okay, we just need to connect with him. Let him speak to our hearts. but But be on the side of choosing. I will walk by faith and not by sight. I'll probably blow it from time to time. I'll need help doing this. But you know what? This is going to define my life. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep walking by faith my whole life. Does that make sense to you? All right, let's stand up and pray. Thank you for being patient. If you weren't patient, just keep smiling and I'll never know the difference. Okay. I always love that on the phone, you know, when you get on there and they've had you on hold for 10. Oh, thank you for your patience. I'm like, you're really making a big assumption there. I'm not patient. Thank you, Lord. No, Father, I, I do. I thank you. This is just so crucial. Just such a crucial place for us. And we live in a crucial time. And Lord, I know that we need to be people of faith and we need to be trained. Lord, we just, boy, we confess it. We need to be trained. We need to be built up. We need that daily commissioning and training and encouragement from the Holy Spirit. It's the only way we can do this, but we choose it. We choose to walk by faith and not by sight and to help others do the same. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Did you get anything out of this? All right, good. Okay, let's go out there and eat all the snacks. If you need prayer, come talk to me. Otherwise, you go out there and you be the church. Just be the church, okay? Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.